Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Billy Embody. We've got a couple things to get to on the podcast as far as news items to lead off with, and we'll do just that in a minute. But I did want to say, I hope everybody had a great weekend. First of all, was back out on the camp circuit for the first time in quite some time as uh, kind of some of our own restrictions around travel and things like that were able to be lifted. Got out to Durant, Oklahoma to check out the underclassmen report and uh, just enjoyed getting back around football and seeing guys work out. Uh, We'll have some SMU updates and tidbits from that uh, on Pony Stampede throughout the week. But uh, mainly, it was just a good opportunity to get out and watch some of these guys go out and compete. A lot of 2022 prospects, 2023s out there in Oklahoma and was impressed with many of them. And, And like I said, we'll share more on that. But Uh, On Sunday, I did get a chance to get out and watch a little bit of that camp with some of my 24-7 sports brethren and other uh, recruiting brethren, and uh, it was just great. So hope everybody uh, had your own fun uh, this weekend, but that was mine, uh, getting out and and being around football a little bit uh, before uh, fall camp hopefully here opens up for for some of the colleges and uh, the NFL and NBA, NHL back in action here at the end of the month. So uh, Things, you know, kind of slowly, maybe kind of returning to normal. But it was a newsy last week or so for SMU. And uh, I want to lead off with the basketball side of things because we'll kind of transition into the football recruiting aspect of it. And then we'll uh, preview the SMU cornerback room because I think it uh, bodes well with with what we'll kind of talk about overall. But um, look, SMU basketball landed Oklahoma State Transfer Center your knee last week, and this is a big pickup for Tim Jankovic and and the entire coaching staff to get him on board. He was heavily recruited. Houston and LSU both really wanted him. There are a lot of other big-time programs that were linked to the 6'10 big man, but ultimately SMU gets him, and on Monday they announced him as a member of the program. Tim Jankovic calling him an impact player in the Big 12 in his first two seasons. He's gained a national reputation as a defender and shot blocker and has the potential to become an elite all-around player. Yorani will now have to submit a waiver to be granted immediate eligibility for this upcoming season. Hopefully, obviously, we have that, but he'll have two seasons uh, to play if he does get that waiver granted, and he's a huge piece to the puzzle for SMU. He averaged 8 points, 4.7 rebounds, and 1.9 blocks per game last year for Oklahoma State. And Yorani comes in with a career average of 2.27 blocks per game. So for SMU, you see Isaiah Mike transfer out of the program into the professional ranks. You see C.J. White transfer out of the program to who knows where. And now you bring in Yorani to kind of round out this roster a little bit better because when you look at it, You've got Isaiah J.C., you've got Ethan Shagwa coming back in the front court. Everett Ray, hopefully he maybe is able to put together something, but I would say you can't count on that. So you needed a big man to come in and fill out the front court, and now maybe, who knows, you can have Yor out there, you can have Ethan Shagwa out there at the same time, you can have Isaiah J.C. out there at the same time, and then Ferran Hunt factors in there as well. So you've got some versatility now in the front court to maybe allow Shagwa to play a little bit out at that power forward spot, JC to hang out 
you know, with 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 your underneath the basket. And so that just kind of gives you some roster versatility. You have Tyson Jolly and Kendrick Davis in the backcourt. Darius McNeil is now eligible. Emmanuel Bandamel had a nice season on the hilltop for his first one. And then you've got Charles Smith and Darius McBride uh, coming back as well. And McBride redshirted. So I love this pickup for SMU. I, I can't tell you guys enough, one, how impressive impressive it is that they landed your knee. And he's somebody that will factor in right away if that waiver gets approved. And while you lost one of your best players in Isaiah Mike, your knee is a big pickup for SMU. He drops theoretically down a level to the AAC, and he could be one of the better uh, first-year players in the AAC. So that's how I see it. I see this as a big pickup and a great job by the staff to get him on board because he can really make a difference in the front court for SMU. That's the basketball side of things. I did want to touch on that, though, because I know we haven't talked about it on the pod. Now let's get to the football side of things. The football team back in action uh, on the Hilltop workouts continuing they're now at around they're allowed to have 50 guys or so uh, on the field at a time but they are working out with social distance and they're not working out with footballs just yet but they're back in the weight room Kaz Kazadi certainly got more to do uh, with another group of arrivals coming back onto the campus and uh, the freshmen are there and they're now in their second uh, week or so uh, or they've already completed two full weeks of, of, of training on the hilltop so a lot of things going on with the football program, but on the recruiting side, SMU saw its first decommitment of the 2021 class. And this is a cycle that a lot of people are pegging as a historic cycle for so many reasons. Okay, you've been under a dead period all summer and most of the spring, and so many prospects have made commitments. We're far, far ahead in terms of the number of commitments that are right now, uh, you know, committed to colleges than we've ever seen before in a cycle and it's not even close so a lot of people think this is going to be a large decommitment cycle and the first one to go for SMU is uh, three-star wide receiver Joseph Manjack and we had kind of been monitoring this here and there over the past I would say month since Wisconsin offered and he really kind of made some comments that that you know put Wisconsin into a very positive light. And, and that was a offer that stood out to him. He took a virtual visit there and really liked what the Badgers were, were selling to him. And so that was something that was eye-catching. And part of that, when you look back at it, was kind of some people in his ear, from what I've gathered, kind of sharing, hey, you know, I think SMU's looking at you as a tight end. You might want to kind of double-check everything. And, you know, from what I heard, SMU kind of – smooth things over said hey no you are a wide receiver you are taking a tight end spot as far as our recruiting class goes right now so you are where where we would have normally recruited a tight end you're going in that spot so that kind of smoothed things over and then ultimately I, I think a lot of the people that were in his ear about that or you know after the Wisconsin offer those people kind of saying hey man you might want to just take a step back and take a look at you know where you really want to go and so that's what he's ultimately going to do. And he did it without much fanfare at all. All It was very cut and dry. I'm reopening my recruitment uh, and decommitting from SMU. So he did that on Sunday. And SMU loses, you know, a receiver that I think they were really high on and are really high on. And so it'll be interesting to see 
kind of how I think they go about it. I think there's a if there's a position you're not really worried about in this class, in this cycle for SMU, it's wide receiver. You've got so many coming back. You've got a, a, a roster stacked with talent right now. And you've got uh, one that they like in like like a lot in Dylan Goffey. And then you've got a good slot in, in Jalen Record. And so I don't really worry about the position itself. I, I'm... I was really high on Man Jack. I mean, I think his production, his his uh, underrated times from what we've kind of gathered and, and talking with his coaches and talking with uh, you know people uh, around the SME program is he's kind of underrated in that per- perspective. I mean, he's been clocked in in, in a pretty good uh, time frame that you want to see from a big receiver. So it's a it's a tough it's a tough loss, and he probably would have would have blown up in a big way this fall. And we'll see if there's high school football in, for Texas in the fall. But he was kind of trending up. So now, if you're SMU, what's next? You look at Keytron Jackson, the four-star wide receiver out of Roy City, Texas, who they've been recruiting hard. And uh, and then you look at Duran Brandley, the four-star wideout out of DeSoto, who's committed to Texas Tech. Those are the two guys that I really kind of circle right there as far as who SMU is going to continue to press for and continue to really, really make a push for. You've also got McKinney North wide receiver, J.J. Henry, but he's a little bit more of a slot. And so now, uh, where does that spot go? Would they would they take somebody like J.J. Henry? I think it depends on where things stand with Duran Bradley and Keetron Jackson, but J.J. is a very good receiver, and he's somebody that uh, has shown a lot of SMU interest. We had an update on him over the weekend and kind of where things stand with SMU, so go ahead and check that out. And then uh, we'll kind of see where they go here because I, I do think that Keytron Jackson and Duran Brandley, uh, Bradley are right there for SMU as far as guys that are interested in the program and willing to listen. And they've been pretty, uh, I would say, interested from everything I've gathered uh, in talking with different sources. Keytron Jackson and Duran, Duran Bradley are two of the top targets for SMU for a reason. And now with Manjack out of the picture, SMU's pitch kind of gets a little bit better. And now they can really say, hey, look, we've got a spot for you. Stay close to home. Let's make this thing work. And whether that's Keytron Jackson or Duran Bradley, uh, both I think would be welcomed with open arms. And, you know, they really wouldn't think twice as far as, uh, you know, how how is this going to go uh, you know, in the future, because you don't have Manjack anymore in the class, because they were recruiting Keytron Jackson and, and Duran Bradley before uh, Joseph Manjack decommitted, and now you can kind of say, okay, he's out of the picture. Let's just go. Let's go get it. Let's 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 make this thing happen, and uh, we'll we'll kind of continue to monitor both of those guys because I do think there's interest on both sides, and I think Durand is somebody who's going to have some some big programs after him and, and continue to push him to not sign with Texas Tech where he committed back in February. And for from SMU's perspective, you've got Bradley and, and Jackson, two guys that you've been working now over the summer, and you've got to feel at least pretty good about, you know, the potential of you to get one of those guys. And I know Keytron Jackson, there's a there's a lot of crystal ball picks in for Arkansas uh, and TCU, but you know, you never know how things change. TCU's recruited really well at the wide receiver position uh, the last couple cycles, just like SMU has. Uh, Arkansas, they've kind of been there hanging around the most. Um, but with Bradley, I mean, it kind of seems like the Red Raiders have lost a lot of steam. So I think SMU's got work to do with Keytron Jackson, 
but there's there's definitely interest there, and Duran Bradley uh, is one that I, I think SMU's, again, right in the mix for, uh, even though he's committed to Texas Tech. So we'll continue to monitor both of those guys. Now, on the recruiting front, just overall, I think SMU is is really in a good spot for a strong finish. And I wrote some tidbits on the on the site uh, that I dropped on there over the weekend. And, you know, if you're not a Pony Stampede subscriber, I would definitely encourage you to spend the buck for that first month or go 30% off for that for that year and check them out. Because, one, I think we're in for a really exciting finish to this class. When you talk about the prospects that are still out there, we mentioned Bradley and Jackson. And now you've got Savion Bird, of course, that's out there, the four-star offense tackle out of Duncanville. SMU's kind of hanging around for Kamar Wheaton, kind of some confidence fading in that respect. Uh, but And then you've got Braylon Jackson and Davey, David Abiara, uh, two of the top defensive ta- defensive linemen in, in the DFW area that, uh, you know, SMU is in the mix for and in the mix for in a big way. So if you look at that and you look at kind of their board, they've got only a few really top targets out there that they're pushing for. And it's, it's teeing up for what could be a very exciting potentially end of the summer, potentially end to the early signing period or however that looks this fall. So uh, check that out. I, I I just think right now there's a lot of momentum for SMU and DFW, and I say that in part, and even though they just lost a commitment, Manjax from the Houston area, not necessarily from DFW. So this is a class that has a chance to really boom, kind of at the end, or you know just overall with who they clean up with, especially in the Dallas area, or it can be just you know good. I mean, and gosh, if they came away with just Savion Bird and Braylon Jackson. That would be obviously okay, and that would be something that I think the the staff would take, and that would give them thirteen guys in this class, and then you see kind of where things go uh, from there. But you know, it, it's a class that has a chance to really finish strong, I think, and and just mainly, I mean, quality. I mean, just talking with uh, some some players around uh, DFW that were up at that camp, that was one thing that stood out to me was just you know them saying you know SMU has a lot of talented guys in that in that recruiting class already, and. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from there. Kind of moving over now to the team side of things. Uh, like I said, workouts continue to roll on for SMU here as the summer uh, kind of winds down, gets closer to the fall. You know, could see a, uh, a training camp here in the near future. They're continuing to monitor that. But SMU is kind of on the right track to be able to at least open camp and prepare for the 2020 season like they had hoped for. And so... With that, I wanted to continue our preseason series of uh, previewing positions, and I wanted to look at the corner room. And I picked this position because, one, I mean, you look at Brandon Crosley being added to the room, and now it's kind of settled for the 2020 season, at least, if Crosley's approved for a waiver right away, which, I mean, if Cameron Jones and Chevin Calloway were approved for waivers without COVID being impacted or impacting that ruling, now you bring back back Crosley from across the country, from Colorado State, and you insert him into the corner room, and COVID is certainly a reason why he could want to move back and make the case for that. Let's just say he's eligible. You add Brandon Crosley, who's a four-star on 24-7 sports coming out of high school, and you Add him into the mix with Brandon Stevens, who's who I've I've heard it just looks awesome as he gets ready for his senior year and his last year 
uh, in college after making the transition last year to corner from running back. And then Armani Johnson, who really broke out last year. I think a lot of people, when he started, and, and you look at that first Arkansas State game and you say, oh, man, this is going to be a long year with the corners. But Armani really bounced back, I think, even throughout that game at times and, and also just improved throughout the year. And then he got that hamstring, and that really kind of hurt him and set him back, I think, for the rest of the season. But there's no doubt that they're two of the best, uh, you know, they're one of the best corner tandems in the AAC, and especially when healthy. And Brandon Stevens is physical, hard nose, and Armani and Brandon Crosley are kind of similar guys in terms of their frame, in terms of their weight, and things like that. And so as Brandon Crosley gets with Kazkazadi and he's able to maybe take advantage of that over the next month, if he's eligible, that gives SMU some versatility. Maybe Brandon Crosley could play the slot. Maybe Armani Johnson could play the slot, or they can move guys around. Uh, because it's a corner room that doesn't necessarily have a ton of proven high-level contributors outside of Brandon Stevens and Armani Johnson. Yes, you've got Eric Sutton, you've got Kevin Johnson and Justin Guy Robinson who have been around a while. But outside of that, you've got Terry Keyes who really hasn't played much at all. Sam Westfall, redshirted last year, hasn't played much at all. And then you've got Crosley who played a lot uh, but wasn't at SMU last year. And then you've got Brian Massey who's a true freshman coming in and will have a tall task to, I think, take over a, a big contributing spot, although I do think Brian Massey could very well uh, end up contributing it, I, I think, on some level uh, for SMU this fall, and I, I think that's in part just because of the corner room and the situation that it's in. So, you know, for SMU, I, I just think this corner room is one so different than what it was, you know, looking back, I mean, to, to before last year. I mean, that you want to talk about question mark and you want to talk about uh, how this whole uh, room was going to look, that was a huge question mark going into the 2020 or the excuse me, the 2019 season. So now with that settled with Brandon Stevens and Armani Johnson as your starters, you're now able to do a little bit of different things. And the worry, of course, goes to the safety room, uh, which we'll preview at a later date, but Overall, I mean, this corner room is is productive. They had their moments last year where they were elite. And I think now, and I talked with Brandon Stevens about this over the summer when I saw him at one of the camps, and he just kind of said, and, and Eric Sutton said the same thing, it's about finishing, and it's about being prepared to finish because this is a, this is a program that hasn't really been able to do that that much you know, over the course of the last few years. I mean, whether it's losing to Navy in Memphis by a touchdown each, or whether it's the bowl game, or whether it's that bowl game under Sonny Dykes and Chad Morris's team, or, uh, you know, even dating back to Sonny Dykes' first year when they, you know, went snake eyes against Memphis and Tulsa and missed a bowl completely. They've got to be able to finish better and that goes for the corner room especially. That's something that those guys really stressed to me when I talked with them uh, just kind of over the summer and kind of getting a feel for where things stood uh, for that room going into their final season. So, you know, I, I think there's some hope that with another year under Kaz and I think whenever you have a year where you, 
it's your first year as a starter. So for both Brandon Stevens and Armani Johnson, you take those experiences and say, okay, what do I need to do to get my body right for the future so that I can be better than I was in 2019? And I think that's a big thing that A, Brandon Stevens did. He's he's hoping to catch on in a, on an NFL roster after his SMU's, SMU career is over. And then Armani Johnson wants to finish better than the same way. You know, he doesn't want that that hamstring injury to kind of you know flare back up. So he's trying to get his body ready to go as best he can. And overall, if that corner room takes a big step up from last year, this defense can do a ton of different things. And you factor in them losing Delonte Scott and Patrick Nelson. If the corners can step up and just stay with their guys a little bit longer, some coverage sacks might occur that might help some of the defensive linemen get free, get a sack, and 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 be able to disrupt a little bit more. And they're going to have to help in that regard because, you know, they're replacing a lot of sack production and a lot of disruptive production on the defense. And the corners will have to step up and hopefully help that transition be a little bit better. So overall, I mean, you have two proven starters, I think, in Brandon Stevens and Armani Johnson, but you need some depth to step up to help those guys to maybe take the load off of them a little bit so they don't have to play as many snaps. And that would be big for SMU, getting Brandon Crosley eligible, maybe Sam Westfall, Brian Massey, or one of the seniors somehow step up and and take some snaps and be able to contribute. So with that, guys, that's kind of it for the corner preview. Want to get you guys this podcast out. We'll return later in the week. We'll preview another position. We'll take some questions and we'll break things down even more as SMU gets closer and closer to fall camp for the 2020 season. With that, going to wrap up this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week. And a quick quick reminder before we go to subscribe to the Pony Stampede podcast, leave us a rating, and leave us a review. Appreciate you guys. Have a great rest of the week.